Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Yes, sir. Welcome back into the Asylum. Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs coming at you. This is the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Richard, now a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find your boys and many more fantastic fantasy podcasts at the all-new FullTimeFantasy.com and on the Twitters at FullTimeFantasy, Rick. This is big news. And I am so glad to be part of it. And um, there you get on there, uh, check it out. There's a lot of familiar names on there. And you can find... Full-time fantasy podcast just about anywhere. Spreaker, Blog Talk, YouTubes, iHeartRadio. Oh, yeah. We're taking uh, it over. Yeah. I now mean, get, now we get to say we. That's pretty big. Exactly. And so, yeah, we're just we're very happy to be part of it, Rick, and um, you know, just look forward to some big things coming up. Oh, absolutely. So head on over to fulltimefantasy.com. Not only do you get great podcasts, most notably this one, of course. It's a one-stop shop for the best fantasy content on the interwebs, Richard. Stay tuned in the upcoming weeks for his, to listen to your boys here at the Asylum to get exciting opportunities to be a part of the WFFWC season-long fantasy contest. Several contests will be available, including Beat the Expert Leagues, the Free Mock Draft World Championship, $35 Starter Leagues, the $299 Online Championship, Dynasty Individual Leagues, $299 Dynasty World Championship, and the Fantasy Football World Championships in That's Right, Richard, Las Vegas, and, of course, online if your wife doesn't allow you to go to Las Vegas. Stay tuned here to the Asylum and FullTimeFantasy.com for more information or check it out now at PlayFFWC.com. And, of course, you can follow us, Rick. Don't forget about us. We want you to do all that full-time fantasy, but for God's sake, don't forget about AsylumFantasySports.com and at AsylumFootball on the tweeters. And if you want to call it, write in and insult us, AsylumFootball at gmail.com because we're old and we still like email. Yes, we do. And um, let's not forget to um, get on our podcast. Let us know what you think. And um, or lie and say you like us, one well, or the other. I'm whatever. But no, just you know, get involved. I mean, you can find. Full-time fantasy, that's exactly what the name says on the network. Find fantasy all the time, plus all the great contests and everything Rick was talking about earlier that you can get in on and, uh, you know, beat some of the experts. You can't beat us, but, I mean, some of them maybe. There's probably a few dumb-dumbs out there you can beat. (laughs) I have to assume, right? Yeah. Well, maybe not on full-time fantasy. No, probably not. We may be the uh, the problem children on that network. I don't know. But anyway, get give it a shot because uh, it's exciting stuff. And it just got started this month. Uh, right. I think uh, the 5th of June is when it launched. Um, and we have just – this is actually the first one we've made for the network. Right. And, I mean, it, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, after another long hiatus, what, this is our fourth show back and uh, got scooped up with full-time fantasy. So I have to presume, right, we got, we're got we going to have a lot of first-time listeners here. And I always feel obligated, whether it's we're starting on a new network or I'm trying to explain to somebody in civilian life what it is this is, what this show is. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I feel like we talked about it on our kind of relaunch show a few weeks ago. But I think, you know, for some hard hardcore fantasy guys, I think we may owe it to them to explain 
what we are here at the asylum. So, you know, from a fantasy perspective, love fantasy football, been doing it forever. Briggs over there is approximately 118 years old, so just slightly older than the NFL. So been at it for a long time. Here's what you're going to find here. Not not dynasty guys next necessarily. Focus on redraft. However, we have a lot of dynasty podcasts oh, that you absolutely. can uh, enjoy. Absolutely, and you want to check those out on the network. A lot of redraft. We're not the types that are going to bombard you with all the saber metrics, to use a baseball term. I'm too dumb to get lost in the numbers. A lot of gut feeling, a lot of just general football and fantasy talk. That's what we do. If you want an hour, an hour 15, an hour and a half of straight nonstop fantasy analysis, we might, well, we're going to disappoint you anyhow, but in that instance, we're definitely going to disappoint you. We get a little sideways. We like to talk uh, what's going on in our lives, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the world of sports with a heavy emphasis on fantasy football, but that's not going to be all you're going to get all the time. So go ahead and gear up your iTunes comments. These guys spend 10 minutes talking about whatever. And, and only 50 minutes of fantasy. So you might be upset if you're that guy. And and I can live with that, frankly. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, as things go on and training camp starts, you'll find more and more, of course, that's what we're focused on. Oh, yeah, once fantasy the season football. gets here, I'll you know, talk about um, February, yeah, we may be talking about shoveling snow that's up to our thighs for five minutes because we're tired and we're sick of it. Or but, long dead people found in homes <laughs> for with perfectly manicured lawns. If you yeah. want to go back into our archives and find that one. Yeah, Probably no the best 20 minutes of radio we ever did, but a lot of people were upset with us for that, if I recall correctly. But we did get a lot of uh, downloads, right, and so right, yeah. that that's okay, too. Yeah, so. You can download it to get mad at us. That's okay. Just download it. It really doesn't matter. In fact, download it, delete it, and download it again. And I, I'm all right. I can take numbers that way as well. Exactly. All but, right. Uh, you know, that's, that's where we're at right now. We're really excited to be here. And I'll tell you what, there actually is a lot of football talk going on right now i mean it's june the mini camps are winding down training camps what a month away or so a little over a month away and i just <laughs> i just got a real chuckle the other day um or not the other day i think it was yesterday when uh what it, michael pierce for the ravens showed up the mini camp and he was so fat and out of shape that john harbaugh said uh-uh <laughs> yeah, hey, sorry, pal. You're not ready. Heel toe and head the other way, <laughs> <Yeah>. fat boy. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, but what's camp for? Go there to get in shape. Binge yeah. all off season and then go have the paid staff get. But you I, in I shape. guess I'm it's I guess it's one thing if you're, oh, I don't know, Le'Veon Bell, and you show up at two twenty-five or something. Right. Your little son. Hey, this guy, I mean, his playing weight, I believe, was 340, and they said he was considerably over that. I mean, yeah, I mean, considerably right. over 340 is probably pushing the big four. Right, right. Well, you're not going to be moving too good if you play at 340. Well, get him in shape then. I mean, a guy who, a guy who's walking around weight is 340. Let's take the professional athlete part out of this if you're walking around weight is 340 
portion control and regular <laughs> exercise and the keto and all this nonsense probably isn't in your milieu, right? <laughs> so you, you're the Baltimore Ravens. You've got a staff that can take a man to get him down to 340 and make him a professional athlete. I say you let him in, you shame him a little bit, and it's your job to get him in shape. You want to hire well, people in the 350s, then you're, this is something well, the you're going to have to Well, the reason to you know, of course, he was, you know, all positive. He just – it's for his own safety. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you know, they just didn't want him tripping and landing on somebody <laughs> what happened. But, oh, nah, let's get her. rolling here. All right. I got a couple NFL headlines to start with. Not not much in the fantasy. Here's the number one question, right, Rick? How do you know when it's June when all you read on Twitter and all you hear on every fantasy podcast, radio show, and otherwise in the country is that Devontae Parker has been the best wide receiver in the NFL all of the month of June? How many years am we going to hear this? Oh, this is what, many... three years running, isn't it? And every year I say, come on. Nope, not going to happen. And every year, GFY, unfollow, all the things that happen to us when we decide not to get in line with all the fantasy drones out there. Stop this. Stop reporting right. on Devontae Parker. Everybody he is kno- who he is at Everybody this point. knows Devontae Parker can run around in shorts right. and catch some balls. Absolutely. Not a problem. I Hats off to him. He's a lot better shape and better athlete I ever was or will be. Right. However... He is not a playmaker. He's not a game changer. Let's put it that way. He's a receiver that is adequate. Right, and he's going to have big weeks. He had yeah. that stretch last season, and then he kind of comes back to earth. It's just, I it, look, if he was going into year two, you know, and we all right, we could talk about this. His rookie year was a bit of a disappointment. He's having this great spring. What is this about his seventeenth year in the league? It feels like <laughs> I've yeah. had this conversation so many times. He is who he is at this point. And I'm sorry, bringing in Fitz Magic or Rosen or whoever you're bringing in isn't going to have some dramatic turnaround for Devonte Parker. Just, just stop with this. En- enough with this. I'm over it. But well, one one thing I will say. I mean, you talk about. An upgrade over Tannehill. Well, of course, and even Jay Cutler, who was so disinterested. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even want to be on the field. So, yeah, maybe a little bit more of an uptick, but he's still nothing more than just a average wide receiver. A as far bag as of concerned. balls and a foot-long meat-ball sub would have been an upgrade there. So, I mean, we're not <laughs> talking about bringing in Johnny Unitas, all right? Everybody just calm down. So, how about the Raiders, Rick, being on Hard Knocks? Do you ever watch Hard Knocks? Do you do the HBO? Not, I love Hard not Knocks. Not a big Hard Knocks fan. It's so formulaic, but I love it. I get swept up in all the undrafted rookies who have no business being there, and I'm rooting for them to make the team. But I got to tell you, even if you're not interested, Rick, I think this Raiders team may provide oh. some entertainment that would draw in even the most uh, cynical, yeah. I guess, television viewer like you. No question. I mean, you have A.B., it's right up his alley. You've got his boy, Perfect. Uh, right. You've got Richie Incognito. You've John got, Gruden's a lunatic. Yeah, I was just going to say, you got Chucky on top of everything else. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to be... Magic, I think. This has to be, in, in almost all seriousness, as serious as you can make a reality TV show about an NFL training camp, 
absolute worst-case scenario, <clears throat> excuse me, for the uh, Oakland Raiders. Antonio Brown has lost his mind and taking attention-seeking to levels that Terrell Owens couldn't have dreamt of. And now he's going to have a camera following him everywhere for all of training camp after everything that happened last season in the offseason with all the turmoil trying to, you know, you always think that first year he's going to, a guy's going to get right and it's going to be the nice honeymoon period. This is a disaster for the Raiders because I can't imagine in his current state Antonio Brown's going to be able to handle this without just completely having some type of egocentric meltdown. It, it, it's unbelievable to me. And you knew it was going to happen. Oh, it had to you, be. It you only knew it sense. was going to be Oakland. Everybody was talking, you know, all these different teams in the running. And as soon as the Raiders came up, with everything that was going on there, the – the malcontents that they were adding to the roster, you knew it was going to happen. And it should be fun, though. Oh, I, I've got to admit, it's, it's going to be a, a lot more exciting than Marvin Lewis. Well, yeah, or Jeff Fisher that year. Yeah. That, one, that one was a little bit rough. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's appointment television right now. And no team ever wants that. And I think you can see why, but with a guy like Antonio Brown, I can't imagine what kind of S show this is going to be. I can't wait. <laughs> hey, what do you make with this Tyreek Hill situation? Now it looks like the, you know, the investigators are coming out and have deemed it's a, it, the child's arm was broken accidentally, and you know there's some speculation. I don't maybe even be truth. I don't know. I didn't read the whole story. If, if you're new to the show, that's a big theme as well. <laughs> so get used to that. But the wife, girlfriend, whatever she is, kind of made up his role in this to get after him. What what a mess. What an absolute. Look, I think Tyreek Hill's a bad guy. I, I really do. There's been enough in the past. Kind of the where there's smoke, there's fire type of situation. I think he's a bad dude. But, boy, you talk about a heavy accusation to be laid on someone if we if it's ultimately not true. Just that, That's a wow. Oh, no question about that. And, you know, in other things came out in light of the fact that, yeah, we know you didn't break his arm and, and so forth. But yet it also came out that they both admitting to, you know, quote, unquote, spanking the three-year-old with a belt. Right, right. And, you know, and other types of spanking and so forth. And, yeah, look, I'm, I'm old school. You know, I was knocked around like a bowling pin when I was a kid. But you know what? A three-year-old, a belt on a three-year-old, yeah. that's what you need to control a three-year-old? Right, yeah. You know, I'm not getting into any of that kind of stuff, but I, yeah, it just yeah. kind of goes along what you're saying. It sounds to me like, you know, you might want to step back and just look at this cat. I oh, mean, yeah. he's it, a it, bad dude. He, yeah. he had a history of domestic violence before. I only bring this up. There's really nothing to say about this, right? You can't be funny about it. There's nothing. Right. There's really nothing to discuss. We don't know any more than what's already out there. I bring this up for this reason. As you know, so but for you new audience members, I like to read the tweeters in the bathroom. That's where I catch up on my my world's go, goings on. And I'm reading when this story come out and just tweet after tweet. And I don't want to make this whole show about Twitter, but that's that, that's where I see all the craziness now, right? That's where they all hide of I on fantasy football Twitter specifically. 
You know, I still think he's guilty, which may well be, or even disagreeing with the corporal punishment like you just brought up. He won't be a part of my team. I won't draft Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill drops four rounds for me because of his personal life. And this virtue signaling BS, is there one fantasy football player in the country who is not related to Tyreek Hill's wife who is going to not draft Tyreek Hill in the appropriate spot because you don't like him personally? Yes. You really believe this? Oh, of course you are. Would you do this? We have a guy in the league that refused to – Draft Cleveland Browns. Well, he's a drug addict. He well, doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't matter. I mean, but yes, there are. I, I'm. What are you proving to Tyreek Hill or to society with that stance? Or to even your ligmates. Hey, thanks, pal. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, there would be concerns if we don't know more by August. Maybe he still catches a suspension, right? Maybe Goodell wants to sit him down for four or six just for being involved in a situation like. So that I could get. But this virtue signaling nonsense that I'm too good of a person and I'm too enlightened to have this type of person on my fantasy team, shut up. That's all I wanted to say. If you're out there tweeting that, shut up. That's right. all. Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I got I, nothing else on it. Yeah, there's nothing else to say. I, I agree. It's it's ludicrous. I don't like him, so great. Don't draft him, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doesn't make you a good getting person. a better fantasy player. No, and it doesn't make you a good person because yeah, you, cause it's all fake. Because you don't hold a roster spot for an accused domestic abuse. <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> Why don't you go plant a tree? All right, get recycle or something. What are you talking about with this? Shut up. I know. Hey, we are Fligger and Briggs. This is the Asylum Sports Show, and we are on the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Woohoo! I'll tell you what. Talk about – I kind of like this uh, a class act, Gerald McCoy, moving on from Tampa. Did right. you see what yeah. he said? I mean, yeah, a lot of people think that I, and I'm quoting him, I don't know and I turned my back on them or disrespected them. I'll never do that. I'll never say anything bad about Tampa. I'll never say anything negative about Tampa, McCoy said. It doesn't matter how much negative was said about me. It will never be reciprocated because I know that organization changed my life, and the time I had there was great. The fans, all the coaches I experienced, all the players I experienced, my entire time in Tampa was a joy and something I'll never forget. Class, man. And He's a, going to be a good teammate. And a good publicist. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Although, again, everything I know about him outside of the numbers and the statistics I saw in hard knocks, right? But he seemed like a cool dude, just a, an affable and guy. And like you said, maybe a good publicist, but how many athletes oh, and yeah. name the sport in an interview? They don't care. They, oh, they, yeah. There's no, no nothing there. I mean, and – it comes spewing out, and they don't even regret it. No. So, I mean, you know, I, I, hats off to Gerald McCoy. And I'll tell you what, that is going to – he's going to make that defense a lot better. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think getting, getting up there in age had some injury concerns, but I think that's a guy who can still get after it. So, Rick, that's a great quote, but it is not the best quote of the week. 
I actually fist pumped when I read this quote yesterday. I was so excited. I don't know if you saw this or not, but Jalen Ramsey was notified by the Jaguars <laughs> yesterday that they weren't going to extend his contract. And his response, not quite in the same vein as Gerald McCoy, I'll grant you, but maybe the best quote I've read in a long time, I'm going to ask for so much money they have to put me on layaway. Now that, my friend, is a quote that I like. Yeah. I, nothing more to say about that. I don't care about the Jaguars or Jalen Ramsey. No. But that's a good quote. And that's just putting it out there. You can't even afford me. I love it. And the funny part about it is Jalen Ramsey opened his mouth after that great year of the Jags defense. And they were deplorable last year. And – I don't even know what they were. What were they, like 5 and 10 uh, last uh, year or something like that? they came out early in the year and beat New England. We thought, wow, what happened the yeah. year before was the real deal. And then yeah, that they was about remembered it. they were the Jaguars, I guess, and, and sort of back to reality, back to life. Well, good. Let somebody else have some drama and see how mm. they handle it. I mean, <laughs> doesn't look like they're going to handle it too well. But they have to put me on layaway. Did you ever put anything on layaway? Is that still a thing? Does anybody still do that? Walmart probably oh, does. I'm sure, right? yeah. I'm sure. I never did that. I'd always forget to go pay if I put something like that. You forgot you even bought it to start with, and you lose money, well, the and they still have the product. By the time you pay it off, you forgot why or for whom you <laughs> bought the thing, I have to assume. And Todd Gurley looks like he's on track to go to camp. Rick says he considers the knee issue small. I, I may tend to disagree with him a little bit on that one. Well, how many knee issues are small? Not many. I mean, when it gets right down to it, I mean, other than a little knee soreness, but let's face it, he was really hammered by it towards the end of the year last year without any explanation. Right. That's That's what really concerns me more than anything else. If you said, hey, Todd Gurley, whatever, in that game X, you know, tweak the, you know, it feels tightness or soreness in his knee – They're going to hold him off, you know, not a problem. Said nothing. He sat on the the sidelines in the Super Bowl. Right, right. 9-3, and and he's still sitting there, and it's like I don't understand what's going on. And something something wasn't right there, that was for sure. Let's take a little turn here, Rick. I want a couple other things, and then we'll we'll bring it back to football. Well, we actually do have an exciting, rousing game of fact or fiction coming up. We do. We do. It's been a long time. And it is. It originated on the asylum. Before it was stolen by a major media outlet. It makes Rick curse every time he thinks about it. And And I turn him off, too. So, Rick, I'm not going to ask you to break down. I know you're the expert on this, but I'm not going to ask you to break down international women's soccer. But this is the one time every four years I kind of start paying attention. And working at home yesterday, I had the <laughs> the women's soccer game on. What, why are you laughing at me? Forgive me. Working at home. That's where I work. That's where you're laying around in your underwear I work with like your a- hand down your pants, laying on the couch, watching TV. But my laptop is there, and I am available. So, yeah. so I have the, US, the women's Pardon game me. on. Okay. Indeed. U.S. women, as I'm sure you know, defeat Thailand 13 nothing. Have a squeaker. 13 nothing. Now there's some blowback today. A lot of consternation, a lot of hand wringing. 
Yeah, they ran up the score. That wasn't sportsmanlike. That's kind of in column A, and we might have to take this in two pieces. At least that's how I feel. And then in column B, like they do every time in soccer, every every time they scored even goals 11, 12, and 13, they acted like they just won the Powerball <laughs> jackpot, which they tend to do. A lot of constant, a lot of people really upset, Rick. So we, we don't have to keep this to soccer. Where do you stand on backing off in a blowout, acting like you've been there before, all them old man cliches we tend to throw I saw, out in my mind, and I wish, you know, I'd known this was coming and I had to put it up there. I actually saw, like, the, the most perfect tweet on that. Okay. Um, two points the, the person made. Um, if they didn't want – if goal differentiation didn't matter – then they probably shouldn't have run the score up. But since it does in soccer, especially in in the standings, no problem. The second point was maybe Thailand shouldn't be in it until they get better. That's fair. I mean, can you go to Bulgaria or something? I'm sure they can play soccer there too. I mean, this can't be one of the best teams to, to be in it. I saw in order to qualify, I don't know what compelled me to look at this. This is just the way my mind worked. Who did Thailand beat to make it to the World Cup? They beat Jordan, not Michael Jordan, the country. Six to one. So how bad must Jordan be that yeah. they lost to that team? Maybe it was just Michael Jordan. He Look, was getting tired covering the whole like, field. I don't know. Pushing 60 now. He's probably <laughs> wore out. Yeah, look, I'm with you. Now, in general, I'm kind of a proponent of laying off the throttle a little bit. But with this caveat, specifically in youth sports, even high school sports. That's where we yeah, back I agree. And I I've agree. seen it not happen in that level. I've had it happen to me as a coach at the youth level. I've had it where I'm on the other end as a youth coach. If anything, I almost lost up my basketball team, my junior high basketball team, a game last year by I got a big lead in the first half. I pulled, I called off the dogs, and halfway through the third quarter, it's down to one possession. <laughs> so, like, all right, I might have gone a little yeah, too. You may have pulled them a little you know, too little, little, long. Little, so I'm too <laughs> sensitive to it with that level, the youth level with the high school. My thought at the professional level, which, look, this is supposed to be amateur. I don't know they even pretend it's amateur anymore. I don't think they do. I don't think so. But this is professional sports. At that point, if you show up to play against other professionals, I don't care. doesn't matter to me. You run it up. Whatever you have to do, use it as a practice, do other things, get other people goals. So I'm fine. I put that aside. And getting away from from just soccer, too. Look at college football. They run up a score. That always hurt Joe Paterno in his career. Right, because he He, wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do that. You know, but but if you run the score up 80 to 6 over Austin P, all of a sudden you jump over. Somebody that beat Youngstown State only thirty-five ten or right, something. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so my my issues less with it now. The celebration I didn't care for. It yeah, was true. Literally, every, after about seven zippy, you you give a little fist pump, you go over, you high five everybody, and you kick it off again or whatever right. whatever they call it. Now the culture in soccer is different, and I don't. I might get in trouble with this, Rick, but I, I'm I'm going to say it anyhow. I think the culture in women's sports is a little bit different. I've always noticed this, and I I get fascinated every year 
with the Women's College World Series, the college softball. This, this is fascinating to me. It's it's the most amazing. They're 40-some-odd feet away throwing 75 miles an hour underhand, which equates to about a buck 20, yeah. I think, and how, how these women get the bat on the ball, let alone everything. It, it's an amazing game. I always say, oh, I'm going to follow it during the regular season. I never do, <laughs> but when the tournament comes around, right, yeah. I get into it. And I've noticed, and this just might be my old man, old style baseball mindset, that in that even, they get a single, they hit a home run, they're always chanting, and they're doing cartwheels up and down the line, and nonsense every time somebody scores a run the whole dugout comes out and they do some dance at home plate i don't maybe i'm way out of line here it feels like there's a separate culture even between women's sports and men's sports with that because if what the usa did yesterday was a major league baseball team the next batter after uh, that uh, Megan Rapino scored the goal and slid into home and did all her histrionics. Her next at bat, she was going to get plugged in the ear hole. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So maybe soccer's different. Maybe women's sports are different. Maybe the U.S. was out of line. I don't know what to make of it, but that, that I didn't like. I, I didn't care for that one bit. No, I agree with you 100% there. I mean, you, look, you're up, it, it, and it's soccer. Right. You're up 10 to nothing. <laughs> you score number 11. It's not that big of a deal. You should be just kind of going – Yep. I mean, yeah. All right. okay. On to the next. Yeah, because I watched, I can't even remember the country. I watched them, the game either before or after that, hold somebody to a scoreless draw. So they didn't even win. Right. And they celebrated bigger than the Patriots did when they won the Super Bowl. So 13 nothing is a big, big deal in soccer. Yeah, really. No doubt about that. Hey, I tell you what, U.S. Open this week. Cool. And- I had it on the list. I want your pick. Boy, I tell you what, it's it's extremely difficult. Um, you know, Tiger's got to be favored. You think? I mean, it's 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 kind of like Augusta. It's one of his True. courses. I mean, it was. You know, it's just one of those. Um, it's one of those courses that seems to emanate. I don't know. Great champions, you right, know what I mean? Right, yeah, I mean, Nicholas Woods, you know, Kite. I can't remember who all is at Pebble Beach in, in the five or six opens they've had there, but it just—it's always something memorable. It, oh, Tom Watson's another yeah. well, one. What was the year? Isn't that where Tiger? He finished what twelve under, and yeah. second place was in the plus. Yeah, right? <laughs> that, exactly. Was that, was that Pebble? That was Pebble Beach. Yes, indeed. Um, Eighty. What was it? Two thousand. It was way back. Two? Something like that. Yeah, that sounds something right. About yeah. 2002, something like that. Um, 82 is when Watson chipped in on number 17 against okay. Nicholas to I win. I remember seeing those highlights, yeah. 72, Nicholas hits the one iron against the wind on the par three and puts it about a foot away, whatever it is. And Kite, only his only major, played – I think the the average score in the final round was like seventy eight, and I think he shot even something like that. So I mean, yeah, it's I gotta say that he's one of the favorites. I like Spieth. I like Kapka too. I mean, you almost have to. He's like well, a yeah, freaking robot. Yeah, how do you not not assume Brooks Kepka is gonna right. win? Right, going for a third U.S. Open in a row. You know, working pretty head easy on the career grand slam i mean he's just got it all rolling so from what you've seen rick i was watching a little bit last night of whatever the golf channel where they just sort of sit around and talk 
literally for 24 straight hours at the course. You know, there's nothing yeah. really going on. But the the rough looked thicker. It, it didn't look absurd, though. Did they trick this thing up USGA style? Are they actually going to let them play golf? Well, they tr- they tricked it up. So they they trick every golf course up now because people hit it 350 yards off the tee on a regular basis. Where hell, even 30 years ago, there was they, they didn't have that. You're hoping to roll it out 275. Yeah, yeah, 300. I mean, something like that. But I mean, sure, they they have to make it a little tougher. But I don't think it's going to be absurd. I don't think because we've seen some of that. Was it wing foot where you oh. you couldn't even land stop a ball on the green? Do I have that right? Was it wing foot a few years ago? Well, I can remember wing foot in the 70s. They did that. Hale Irwin was like six over and one. Yeah, I mean, it see was that like, I don't like that. No. I'd, I don't want to see 22 under win either, but no, give me I minus two, minus three I'll is see, my winner. Yeah, anywhere from even to minus six, something like right. that. that. That's a nice – there's nothing wrong with that for a U.S. Open. And I don't mind – a lot of people gripe about – I don't mind letting the rough get a little little gnarlier. Sure. You know, letting the rough be penal in, in something like this. But tricking up those greens to where it, it just becomes luck of the draw, right? Somebody right. can get it to stick and get a 40-foot putt to fall. So as long as they're not doing that, I'll be happy. Greens should be, and I don't care what anybody says, I took care of golf courses for 25 years. Greens should hold a well-struck shot from the fairway. Right. The rough fine because yeah. you, you don't have the spin yeah, it, i don't it, care about touch it. on you miss the fairway thick rough live with it i'm fine with that yeah uh, and i in there's there's a difference between a firm green and one that is like you you, you use tricked out yeah and it's like hitting on concrete yeah and yeah i agree with you but i you know i don't know if they necessarily have to do that to pebble i mean it's it's a pretty good golf course. Right. Yeah. So Well, and that's what I worried about when they were holding it here. It is probably for me, you know, what little bit I know, and maybe it's from playing the old Tiger Woods golf on the PlayStation too. But just in terms of looking at it, for me it's Augusta one and Pebble two. And that's the one I didn't want them coming in and growing hay fields right. on either side of a eighteen yard fairway and everybody hacking it up and the greens being so tight that they turn brown and that's yeah. what i didn't want so as long as they don't do that because there's something about pebble and it'd be a public maybe one of these if i'd ever learn how to golf that'd be one i'd like to go see in person i know but you can play it i'm way too bad to there's do that. never there's never a good reason to have especially in the fourth round of a major to have brown greens. Right, exactly. You know what I yeah. mean? There, it's, there's no reason it for that. Sure you do. Cut them so close and roll them so tight that yeah. they just, it just looks like a parking spot. And, and truth be told, I know it was for uh, television, not going against football, but moving the PGA from August back to June or May, excuse right. me, was the best thing for it because how many times did you watch a PGA in mid-August at – Name a golf course. They're, they're playing in St. Louis. They're playing at Shoal <laughs> Creek somewhere. And the thing looks oh. – it's dead by the time they even oh, start. Yeah. looks like a muni out yeah. there. It's, yeah. And, so. that, and that's – not only is that – it's bad for the players because then you start getting – they will start getting a little bumpy. You start getting these hot spots, and, right. and it starts eventually dying. It, it's, not, it's not as smooth. 
The fans don't like it. And obviously, anybody working there who has to deal with it the next 11 months out of the year. <laughs> Try to turn it back into yeah, a golf they're course. Go- <laughs> they're ready to kill themselves. Oh, yeah, Trust the, me. The members are losing their minds. So. All right, Rick, well, do you have anything else, or is it time to play the game? Other than our little unique story at the end of the show, I'm ready to go. Oh, you have a unique story for the end. And I think we covered it before, but I think it's worth repeating, especially to our new listeners, because I think it's freaking fascinating. All right, well, I'm all for it, but whoops, that's the wrong button. Way to go. Let's try this. Rick, it's time for an all-new fantastic edition of Fact or Fiction. All right, Rick. And I can honestly say that this is going to be the first ever broadcasted Fact or Fiction show on the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. I think we could say that safely. I'm sure it is. And depending how it goes and how it's received by the brass at Full-Time Fantasy, it may be the last, so (laughs) enjoy it. Of course, it may be a weekly fixture. We just don't know yet. All right, Rick. I'm going to start this. I'm going to propose it to you. So that'll be Fact. That'll be fiction. We spend a lot of money on our audio That's elements right, here man. at the Asylum. All right, Richard, here we go. Fact or fiction, Todd Gurley finishes 2019 with over 250 carries. No, I think they are making – how should I put it? Not an example, but I think they've already stated that they want Todd Gurley fresh all year. And I'm just afraid of that knee, to be honest with you, the the workload that he has had. And I think 250 is, 240 to 250 is right around where he should be. For 2019. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense as he starts to have the issues. You look back, he only ended up last year at 256. Right. So that this is where I came up with this 250 number, and we know the issues towards the end of the year. You know, the two years previous where he's putting up those big numbers, it was 279, 278. So I think we already saw last year right. kind of where the max might be, and maybe that was too much as we see, like as you mentioned earlier, him being a, a – decoration at the Super Bowl, right, in a in a one-possession game. So. Well, and, and that's a good point made by um, – look, it, it's easy. It was a good point made by Sean McVay, but it's easy when you're whatever, seven and nine. Right. To, to rack up the carries because you're going nowhere. True. But let's not forget when the playoffs roll around, now you have more games. Now it turns into whatever, a 19-game season. So if you're adding how many carries? 30 carries a game. Now you're throwing another, what, 100 carries, 90 right. to 100 carries. If you make it through the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, so I think – you know, anywhere probably 230 to 250 is probably where he needs to be. Now, what I'm curious when you say that, and we agree on the number, I'm not – what I don't know is if we agree on the why, the the method behind it. Is it, be, is it because of injury missing time, or is it do you think they will regulate and manage his carries to that level? Because where you say it's easy in that regard, my point is it's easy to say in June – I'm going to manage his carries. I'm only going to give him, 
what's that work out to? 18, whatever, right. 17, 18 a game. And then nine times in the fall, I got myself in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. I got to run some clock. Am I going to have Todd Gurley standing beside him as I manage his pitch count? Or does it start to get away from you a little bit and maybe do you end up in that situation you did last year? You wonder, do they have the discipline? I think he ends up not getting there because I think he misses time. I think there is a lot more to this. I, we had that story from uh, – all from Bleacher Report. I'm blanking on his name. I'm so, oh, I'm so dumb. Uh, best right. best writer on Bleacher Report. It doesn't matter. I don't know. But the story last week that said this is a bigger deal. This is a concern. And now you got Todd Gurley and the Rams saying, "Nah, it's all good. I'm gonna be here for camp." Right. Off we go. And the Rams say, "Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna manage his workload." That's a heck of a lot easier said than done. It really sure it is. is. But you know, I I think. You know, I think they've got a decent enough backup where they can throw him in there to give him a blow. But I think it was a learning experience for Sean McVay, too. Look, he's a young guy. And you make it to the Super Bowl, that's a whole another quarter of a season. That's a quarter of a season. You're right. So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe he's not sure how he's going to do it yet. But I think they're going to work on doing that because I think, to your point, it is, number one, fear of injury, maybe because his knee just is arthritic. I don't know how it couldn't be, honestly. Well, exactly. But that tends to hamper the more you do to it. If it's acting up, the more aggravated it becomes. And what is Gurley this year? 20-what? Oh boy, uh, seven, eight, probably pushing that. I, I can look it up here as you make your point. But I, I think that's something that they—it's going to be a conscious decision that they are going to probably formulate through the summer on how to actually do this. Set him down when they're up thirty-five, ten. Right, which happens it, plenty. Right, which is going to happen again because they'll they'll play bad teams and they'll have some runaways. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be a conscious effort. It may not be set in stone how they're going to do it. But as far as a fantasy um, commodity, I think he's still going to be extremely effective, providing something doesn't come out at the beginning of the season. Oh, by the way, his ACL was partially torn. I mean, if it is just what they said, something small, and they they want to – gauge his workload, I, I think you're going to be fine. Tell you what, nowhere near as old as we thought he was, Ricky. turns 25 on August wow. 3rd. He's just a kid yet. Man, it just seems – I, you know, the, more, the longer I do this and the more we talk about people and keep looking up people all the time, it seems like – like some of these guys, like your girlies, and so well, it, it seems like, like been they've been around for, for ten years. Yeah, it does yeah. feel like we've been talking about him for that. Now, Frank long. Gore, we've been talking about him for fifteen well, because well, we have. Well, his rookie year was nineteen forty-seven. <laughs> so I, I know it was kind of like D Day and Frank Gore's rookie year all at the same time. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a fact or fiction, oh, Richard. I, I am ready. Fact or fiction. Delvin Cook will be a top 10 running back in 2019. 
I'm going all in on Dalvin Cook this year. I'm I'm excited about him. He had kind of a slow rollback, you know, from the injury. We obviously saw what he was in his rookie year early on before he got hurt. We don't really have a long stretch, right, uh, of success to go off of. What I base this on is what that offense is, right? I mean, I think, you know, if we're talking about, I, I guess maybe we should or I should you know, clarify, I think he's a top 10 in a PPR, you know, with Kirk Cousins. I I almost feel like maybe I'm wrong. Thielen's got to come back towards the pack a wee little bit. I'm not willing to believe. Excuse me, you said that last year. Well, you're right, and I'm going to stick with it. And if one of these years, maybe <laughs> yeah, like last Gore's year. Yeah, like retire. Yeah, I'm going to be right, and I'm going to go back and play it out of context and see how smart I am and how dumb you are. Right. But anyhow, I think Kirk Cousins – you know, limited as he may be, he's going to throw the ball a ton. He's kind of a stack compiler. And I think Dalvin Cook sees a lot, a lot in the passing game. We've got Latavius Murray out of town. You know, I just feel like I don't think 10th, the, the way the league is structured now, I'm not sure that's even a huge accomplishment. You know what I mean? I think he's a low-end RB1 for fantasy purposes, especially in a PPR format. I think I think he's got 65, 70 catches written all over him heading into this year. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, he worries me always just because he's been unlucky, I guess, as far as a durability standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, Latavius Murray's out of town. And, what, I believe he's got Alexander Madison behind him. Graham Bell. Um, It's going to be Dalvin Cook's show as long as he can carry the load. And and there's no question about that. I do – I don't know. I'm I'm not really up on their offensive line. Um, it's not that deep. It didn't seem like they've made a ton of moves. But, you know, Thielen, Diggs, awesome pair. I think Cousins is going to be better this year simply because this is his second year. There's chemistry there. When No matter what you can say about his performance last year, it was okay. Right. It was but a very it, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> it was very Kirk Cousins-like. They signed Kyle Rudolph, which – which stabilizes that position. So it's going to be a potent offense. I'm teetering if he's going to be top 10. I don't necessarily think it's a low bar. In PPR, I tend to agree with you simply because of that. I think he is going to be catching a lot out of the backfield. So, yeah, I mean, um, time will tell on that one. I think it's a pretty good analysis on you. Go back to a standard format, which – I mean, you're basically yardage and touchdown dependent. I mean, I don't know what to make of him because I don't think – I don't know what his carries are going to be. I don't think the run game is going to be there. And, look, you know, look, Stephon Diggs, he's shown he can take it off the top. Let's say I'm wrong and Adam Thielen does that again. All right, somebody's drawing a double, which I've got to think then a healthy healthy Dalvin Cook is just hanging out by himself five yards from the line of scrimmage, which Kirk Cousins, when things start to get rough and he gets in a rough game, he could have Thielen and Diggs standing in the end zone doing the chicken dance with nobody around (laughs) him. He's going to check down to a guy like Dalvin Cook five yards later so he doesn't make the big mistake. So I just think in in a PPR format, I just, you know, 
teams catch on, right? Adam right. Thielen isn't going to be running free like that for 16 games like he did last year. He, he, he's going to draw that attention. There's going to, I don't know if Kyle Rudolph will still be in town for whatever reason they're trying to shop him. They but, just signed a four-year extension. Yeah, so you've got Kirk Cousins. He likes the tight end. I think it's just, a guy like Dalvin Cook's going to have some space, and a guy like Kirk Cousins isn't afraid to check it down to him. You know, and then let's read this list. C.J. What C.J. Ham, Amir Abdullah, Alexander Madison, Mike Boone, Rock Thomas. Tell me everything you know about exactly. those guys. Other well, we than know a, about Amir Abdullah. Other than Amir Abdullah, four years ago returned a punt for a touchdown in in the preseason, and he's been overdrafted in fantasy leagues every minute since then, and has amounted to nothing. So yep. it's Dalvin Cook. He's going to be on the field, no doubt about it. All right, Rick, here we go. Fact or fiction, Antonio Brown once again in 2019 catches 100 balls or more. I see no reason why not. Derek Carr likes to pass it. Um, And he is still – look, I mean, we talked about Mike Pierce, you know, showing up to camp, fattening out of shape in Baltimore – you don't get that with A.B. Well, no, he's going to show you up know, in He's going to show up. He's going to be in shape, and he's going to work as hard as anybody out there. And so there's really, in my mind, no reason why he shouldn't have 100 ball, balls thrown or catches uh, in 2019. You know, in preparation of this, I, I guess in deep down I knew this, but you go back the last one, two, three, four, five, six years – Here's his catch totals for all the mocking we do of him, and deservedly so the way he's acted the last year and a half. 110, 129, 136, 106, 101, 104. I mean, that's a wow. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that is just a wow. Yeah. I think he gets there, but I'll say this. Look back to Amari Cooper the yeah. last two years there. I think he gets there, but I think we see a lot of 10, 12 catch games. And I think we see more than our, uh, more than you would expect to share a three or four catch games out of Antonio Brown. I don't know if that's a function of Derek Carr, if that's a function of how that Oakland – but you saw what Cooper did when he got to Dallas, right? And it was just consistently, consistency, consistency, which you can hear that show here on the Full-Time Fantasy Network with our buddy uh, Bob Lung. I say that right? Yeah, Bob Long. I don't know why I questioned myself it's after a, it's, I said it's a four-letter word. Well, you Bob looked Long. at you looked at me weird <laughs> after I said it, which is how you look at me when I say something stupid, but you don't stop me. You let me hang myself, and that's the look you gave me. So, oh, I, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I think you, that's exactly what you meant. No, I, I wasn't because no, I was just listening. Yeah, our our boy Bob Long. Talking and, to Bob for years, I blanked on his name. Anyhow, but so I think you. You see kind of a lack of consistency there. And I wonder if there's going to be a downfall to Antonio Brown, the meltdown, the honeymoon period ending early. It could be that. I have no doubt week one. I assume they're going to play that Monday night game at 1030 that only I watch, right? I think you're going to see him come out. He'll have 12, 14 catches that game. But there's going to be a stretch of three, five, not three, five, four, something oh, it's like gonna that. Have to and be, how man. does he handle it from there? Yeah, because look, a lot of his catches were because Antonio Brown is great, but also because, and I've said this before, years of chemistry with Ben, right? 
and many, many plays, Ben shaking off tackles, running around, letting Antonio Brown break free, you know, and get lost in all that manhood running around out there, and all of a sudden he's open as well. So Derek Carr is not going to do that. Right. There's not a Juju Smith-Schuster on the other side of Antonio Brown either. We all – we. A lot of talk in Pittsburgh. Well, how Juju's going to do it without Antonio? Well, Antonio Brown is Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro and J.J. Nelson and Ryan Grant in Oakland. I mean, that's not a real stellar supporting cast no, for him as well. Not comparatively. No. Exactly. So, and and Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger, but he, yeah, they're going to throw the ball. So. And somebody's going to catch it. I think, an and under- I think it's going to be a hundred catches. He can do a hundred catches. Yeah, I, I think. I think an underrated part of Ben Roethlisberger's game that doesn't get talked about enough. But when you look at Antonio Brown, is his ability to throw somebody open. You know, everybody's game plan every week was to bracket, double, what hold, grip, whatever you had to do to Antonio Brown. And Ben Roethlisberger found a way to throw him open. Buy some right. time, put it in space. There's that chemistry. Number one, Derek Carr ain't Ben Roethlisberger. He just isn't as good as Ben Roethlisberger, number one. And number two, you mentioned that chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver. It's going to take some time to right. develop, and that's normal. What I don't know in his current mental state, if Antonio Brown's going to be able to handle it. That's true. That that's being true. said, I think looking at reading those numbers I read off at the beginning of this, it'd be pretty stupid to say he's not going to get to 100. I almost want to be concerned contrarian so i can be the guy in february who says hey all you stupids listen to this and i uh, say something stupid about him catching 85 balls i think it could happen but i i don't have the guts to and say with a team like oakland it very well could happen there's no doubt about it if piece some pieces fall into place you know with, with gruden Carr, you know josh jacobs maybe is effective in the, in the running game you know then 110 is possible, right. too. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, you yeah. know, that's the thing. Okay. Fact or fiction, Rick? And I'm not going to go elite, but in 2019, Carson Wentz returns to being a Tier 1 quarterback. <laughs> I don't trust him. Don't know why. I don't trust him. <laughs> that's my analysis. I feel like what I saw last year is closer to who we are. There, there was something about that team that ultimately won yeah, the Super Bowl. Something special. But, look, he was putting up numbers just like that before he went out. Then that's where I get nervous. Then the other dude shows up who's just another dude, and nothing changed. If anything, it got better. And then Wentz comes back, and all right, I'll give him a couple weeks. You're coming back from that long injury. He's a young guy. It never really got back to where it needed to be. He's aight. I think he's adequate with the way they run their offense. I think they'll be fine. They'll be aight. But, you know, you you said not elite. What what word did you use? Tier one. I mean, you know, elite is – you know, that that's your upper crush. You got your two yeah. or three. I'm going to throw maybe an Andrew Luck in there this year, maybe. Right. I mean, guys above him, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes. Breeze, maybe Breeze, still. Absolutely. Um, 
Not much after that. If, no, if I had to pick, I'd take Baker Mayfield over him. Start naming quarterbacks, and we'll, we'll play that game. Okay. Um, Brady. Fantasy-wise, I I might take Wentz in a fantasy situation. Phil Rivers. Rivers. Ben. Ben. Goff. Goff. Dak. I'll go Wentz over Dak. Trubisky. I got a feeling about Trubisky this year. Cousins. Cousins just is a stat compiler. I'll take Cousins. Okay, so you've really got Wentz in the middle of the pack. Yeah, I've got him probably – I haven't done any rankings yet this year. 15-ish, I'd have to say, off the top of my head. I think that's where he's at. He's he's still got a load of weapons. Uh, You know, Jordan Howard in the running game now. Um, Elshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Aguilar still there. Zach Ertz, a tight end. You know, the potential's there for him to be way up there. But I think a lot of people I, – I, look, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you, maybe not as low as you have him. But I think a lot of people are expecting Pat Mahomes' return, you know, numbers yeah. of him coming. Be- because from what they've, what they've seen – I mean, tell me I'm wrong. People are expecting this kind of a year – for the contract of, they gave him, clearly out of they are. Carson Wentz. And he certainly has the weapons to do it. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he's that low, but I certainly don't think he's quite that high. I mean, a career 63%. I mean, that's not fair. He was 69 last right, year. Yeah. Maybe I should give him that one. But I don't. He's he's one of those show me guys, right? If I got to draft him as my QB one, I'm not gonna do it. I'd love to have him as a backup, and then if he pops, awesome, and I'll take credit for that. Notice a theme here, right? I hedge everything yeah. and always claim victory. Yeah. But he he's in a big time show me position for me. All right, Rick, here we go. What what do we want to do here? We're probably getting up against time here. I have so no I'm going to start shuffling around. Um, Alejandro is not here to tell yeah. us how much time we have. Yeah, hey, if so you, you pad a minute. Hey, if, you, if you're a new listener and you live in the Western PA area and you ever had a dream of being a podcast producer, if you don't require money, if you can take verbal abuse, and if you'll buy us beer, hit us up, asylumfootballgmail.com. We might just have a job for you. That's right, and we are up against the clock, so I'm going to give you a couple of trivia questions. Oh, okay. All right. So, Factor Fiction's over? Factor Fiction is over Sweet. right now, unless you want to run over time, but, I mean, I we're kind of... No, I'm going to claim victory. Okay. I win. All right. We'll save these questions for next week. We'll play again. Yeah, sure. Okay, what two goalies hold the record for the most goals scored by a goalie? Oh, two goalies. And the answer's two. The answer's two? Oh, yeah, that's how many they scored in their career. Oh, oh. Um, well, why am I going blank? The old Ron Hextall. Did he yeah, have two? Ron Hextall's one. Very good. Uh, in fact, I'll use the. All right, this is a total guess. I was pretty confident on the Hextall. The Patrick Waugh? Marty Brodeur. Brodeur. Okay. How many fights was Ty Domi in in his NHL career? Oh, my God. How many years did he play in the league? I don't know. 14, 15? A lot. 15 or 16, I think. So, let's say 15 years, probably 
every other game, what's 15 times 40? I'm really dumb. 150 <laughs> times 4, 627 fights. Now you're high. 333. And and that wasn't all just against opponents. Some of them were in the stands, yeah, yeah, if I true. recall. Did, I remember that guy with, count the, that with the beer that <laughs> yanked it. <laughs> that was a great, I remember that. That was a great game. I, I wish hockey was still like that. That happened more than it does in any other sport yeah. outside of uh, – Ron Artest. It was a, there was a time where all the time they were just climbing in the stands, whooping that. Well, he used to do that baseball. Like that. Ty Cobb he used yeah, to go up well. and beat people up. <laughs> okay, the expression "hands down," like you know, I won that game hands down, or, or you know, oh, okay. you know, the exp- I'm with you now. Yeah. Okay. You know how how did that originate? Let's see, this is a sports show, something to do with boxing. Is that close enough? Damn. The origination is in horse racing. It referenced how a jockey won the race without whipping the horse or drawing back on the reins. Isn't that something? So, I mean, just the horse just won. The jockey was just hanging he, out. Hands down. He won that race hands down. Huh. Okay, and here's my little, uh, I thought it was amazing. And we talked about this, I think, a couple of years ago. But and you probably don't remember. There's a lot of, of new I listeners. Do. do you know that our 10th president of the United States, John Tyler, who served as president from 1841 to 1845, was born in 1790, okay? All right. He died in 1862 Okay. at the age of, what, 72. He still has two surviving grandsons. Grandsons? Grandsons. I think you did tell me this. Not great-grandsons, grandsons. This is absurd. Yeah. He, um, Leon Gardner Tyler Jr. was born in 1924. So wait, how old would Tyler have been then? Harrison Ruffin Tyler was born in 1928. Well, those are from his sons, John Tyler's sons. Oh, yeah, never mind. His sons, John Tyler's sons, well, John Tyler had 15 children, Okay. And both two of his sons got married twice. Okay. Well, the second time they married younger women, of course, and they had more children. Yeah, that's madness. (laughs) The one was 75 years old when this grandson was born. He was 75 years old in, what, 1924. He's siring children. Yeah, 1924. He sired a son at 75, which means he was born, what, in about 1850 when, of course, John Tyler was still alive. You know, that's not a bad move. If I had it to do over again, I'd have waited till I was about 75 to have kids. You just die. You don't yeah, worry no, about it's it. pretty safe. I'll be dead before they become teenagers <laughs> yeah. and the work gets hard. That's actually not a bad move. Yeah. So, I mean, I just thought that was amazing. And then the other guy. He, he was 63 when when his uh, you know the father was that's crazy. 63 when he was born. I'm just trying to imagine still getting after it at 75. Seems like a lot of work. Yeah, I wonder if they got any kids. Well, the kids. Well, by well, I mean these kids. These guys might have just had one yeah, now. They, yeah, the <laughs> wives and mistresses are pregnant currently. I have to assume that Tyler's getting after it. Yeah, like, man, some genes there, buddy. What are Steven Tyler's related? Because that would kind of line up. I don't know. He looks as old as John Tyler. Oh, certainly. Absolutely. 
Do you ever notice how he ages? He looks more and more like a woman the older he gets. Yeah, very it, disturbing. And he's not ashamed of it either. No, no, no. He embraces it. I'll give him that. All right, well, before we get ourselves in a sticky situation here, let's get out of here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for checking us out here on the Full-Time Fantasy Network. Full-Time Fantasy Fantasy Podcast Podcast Network. Network. I get too excited. Hey, we'll be back each and every week, every Wednesday night, this time, this channel. Don't forget to check everybody out over at FullTimeFantasy.com, at FullTimeFantasy on Twitter. Of course, you can follow us, AsylumFootball at gmail.com, at AsylumFootball on the tweeters, AsylumFantasySports.com. Whew! Till next and a week. Fantasy, and AsylumFootball at gmail.com. Yeah, do that too. All right, that's a lot of plugs. I'm exhausted. Till next time, we'll see you. Take care. We hang out by the-